All right. Happy Easter, everybody. Everybody say happy Easter. Turn to the next person and say happy Easter. Happy Easter, man. In the old days, in the old days, this is what they used to do, right? Whenever a, a brother, we meet another brother, a sister, we meet another sister in the faith, they'll come to each other. They'll place their hands on each other. They'll give each other a holy kiss. Of course, we don't do that anymore, but we'll, we'll look at each other and we say, he is risen. And the response would be, he is risen indeed, right? So we're going to try that. I'm going to say, he is risen, all right? And you guys are going to look at me and say, he is risen indeed. Y'all follow, right? All right, he is risen. He is risen indeed. You know, it, in those days, that was all they had to look forward to. <laughs> that was all in, in the midst of being persecuted, in the midst of being uh, killed off, in the midst of just having their families torn apart, in the midst of no hope. The one thing that they always cling to in the midst of all of that is the fact that he is risen. Right? One, of the, one of the old saints, uh, Paul, he said this. If the, re- if the resurrection did not happen, the Christians are the most pitied of all people, right? Can you imagine that? If the resurrection was not true, it would be a bunch of religious dudes walking around, talking and spewing a bunch of things that has no power and no weight whatsoever if the resurrection was not true. We would have no hope in anything. But today, we celebrate the resurrection, okay? We celebrate the fact that Christ has come back from the dead. And that, I was thinking about what message to give you guys. I was thinking, man, I don't know what kind of crowd is going to be here tonight or today, actually. And I didn't know this morning. Actually, it's the first time in the morning we've been here, right? Um, I didn't know what kind of crowd we're going to have today. And I thought maybe, maybe, maybe I'll just do an evangelistic sermon. I'll, I'll sit around and I'll, I'll share with you the reason why the resurrection is true. And if it's true, you should live by it. I thought I, was, I, thought I was going to do something like that, give you guys some claims, give you guys some evidence. But I thought about it even deeper and I said, you know what, I'm just going to try to share with you guys today. The impact of the resurrection, right? What, what the resurrection reveals to us. What the resurrection means, right? The true impact of the resurrection, okay? So if you guys will bow your heads, let me, let me pray for us. I found this prayer of mine that I wrote a long time. I was very holy back then, so I wrote this prayer, right? And I was, I was really blessed by it, so I'm going to pray for you guys today. Uh, so bow your heads, let me pray. Oh God, God of my youth. Light up for the blind, teacher of the ignorant. You give wisdom to the simple. You lead wanderers back on the path of righteousness. You draw praise from the mouth of children. Teach us your ways today, O God, and draw us away from the path of this world. Show us once again that we may follow and leave us no longer in this world and in our sins. O my Savior and my God, pour your grace upon our souls once again and make our hearts desire you. And in desiring you, may we seek you. And in seeking you, may we find you. Teach us today, O Lord, as we celebrate the resurrection of your son. And in his awesome name we do pray. Amen. Amen. If you guys turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. Let me read the first five verses for you guys. This is, this is a little introduction, a little background about what's going on. Jesus has been in the tomb for three days, okay? 28 verses 1 through 5. Then two ladies come to uh, take care of his body. Matthew 28 verses 1 through 5. So after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and sat on it. 
His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him, they, took, they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Right? So Jesus has been crucified. His body has been laid in a tomb on Friday. And as was the custom, the dead would be anointed with oil and spices. It was a custom that they picked up while they were in Egypt. And uh, when, from Egypt, Israel, they came back to, them, uh, to their land. And so they continued that custom of anointing the body as they wrapped it up with oil and spices for the burial. So the ladies we see in the passage, they were coming to the tomb on a Sunday because uh, they couldn't go on Saturday. Saturday was the Israel's Sabbath. And so to honor Sabbath, they said, you know, we're not going to break the law, so we're going to wait an extra day as Jesus lays there, come in Sunday and take care of his body. Because no one was there to take care of it for him. Take care of his body. An interesting fact here is this, that Jesus prepared the moment of his unveiling. Of all the people that he could have chosen, of all the people that he could have shown himself to, Jesus chose at that moment to reveal his unveiling of his resurrection to two women in order to, for them to be witness. Right? Now, why is this interesting? Because if the gospel was a lie, and we wanted to lie about the resurrection, if Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wanted to make up the story about the resurrection, all they had to do was not let the woman be the first person to give testimony, right? A woman's word back then was not equal weight with a man, right? It takes two women to be, or three women actually, to equal the weight of one man's testimony. In those days, a woman's word was considered to be crazy, especially if she, imagine if she ran back and said, oh my gosh, Jesus is alive. They're like, you're crazy. You're, you're, you're unbelievable. You're, you're foolish. You sound dumb. A woman's testimony would not be taken very, it's, it's like this, okay? It's like my son running in here, right, during service. He says, yo, daddy, daddy, I saw a man fly. And I'll be like, oh, that's so cute, right? <laughs> On TV, right? right when, he, when he saw him, right? He said, no, daddy, he's outside, he's flying. I'll be like, okay, sure, right? Doesn't, you, you don't take it seriously. His, weight, his words has no weight. But let's say another person, come on, let's say like, you know, um, uh, Pastor Perry, one of the older gents of our church, he walks in slow, right, but calm. And he said, there's a man flying outside. You're like, what the, really? No way, right? Because there's more weight to it. There's more weight to it. So the fact that, the fact that Jesus on the resurrection story was witnessed first by two women, right, gives it great reasons why for us to believe that it was not a made-up story. Because if they really wanted to make it up, they'll give a bigger name, they'll give a bigger title, they'll give it to someone else to give the testimony. Right? And that's just one reason. That's just one reason why I, uh, uh, the claim for the resurrection is credible. I'm not going to go into that, right? but you know, it's part of the first five verses, so I had to share with that with you guys. Right? Um, but what I really wanted to share was the next three points. Okay? The next three points is what the, res- what the resurrection actually reveals. What does it actually show? Okay? First thing, the resurrection shows truth. Look at the person next to you and say truth. Right? It reveals truth. Look at verse 6. He says this. He is not here, the angel said. He has risen just, emphasis mind, just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. He is not here. He has risen 
Have you ever found out a truth about somebody that, that, that you thought about them for a certain way and then all of a sudden it blew your mind when you found out a deeper truth about them, right? Like, I, I think I shared the story for a few of you guys, but, you know, for the rest of you guys, let me tell the story again, okay? Like, I have a very specific way in which I view my grandma. She's an old lady. She does not move much, and then she, all she does is she's crazy and she talks a lot. That's, what, that's, that's my view of my grandma, right? Seth, you can testify, right? He, he, right? There's this view of my grandma, and it's been my view since I was a kid. Nothing's ever changed, okay? And then I remember, I remember like, I think a decade back, my, my grandpa came, and he was talking to me, and, he was, and we were just joking. We were playing, I think we were playing chess together, and he said, did you know, and as he was like, you know, beating me, he said, did you know your grandma used to tango, right? In Vietnamese, so I was like, she used to eat mango? What? Right? Like, no, she used to tango. And then my head just like shook over like, I was like, that one? Right? Like, did you have another wife? Like, that grandma used to, right? Like, that grandma used to tango? I was like, yes. She used to cha-cha and mamba. I was like, get out of here, man. Like, you're telling me that old woman that I grew up with? was a ballroom dancer? And he said, yeah, and she was good. I was like, no. Blew my brains, right? I was like, there's no possible way that this woman who would whine about everything is actually like light on her feet, you know? I can't can't imagine twirling around, doing her thing, right? But the point I'm trying to make is this. Throughout the, uh, the ministry of Jesus, many things, he said many things. And the disciples had a very very specific view of who Jesus was. They thought of him in a very specific way. They didn't want anything bigger of him. Because he's like, this is it. This is who you are. This is what we believe in you. And then Mary walks into the tomb. And she saw an empty grave. Mary ran into the tomb and said, come, the angel says. Come and see where he lay. And they ran in and they see the linens wrapped up nicely. Nobody. And then they were flooded. They were flooded by this truth. The resurrection revealed this unbelievable truth into their mind. It was just, it hit them like a freaking wall. It hit, boom, right? And what is that truth? The truth is, everything he has said, listen guys, everything that he has said to the point of when he died is true. Everything in which he has uttered for three years in ministry, even the things that sounded crazy, the fact that there is no body in the tomb hits them like a wall. It's true. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one can come to the Father except through me, Jesus wasn't saying there's many paths to God and there's that mountainside. He said there is only one way. Jesus didn't say that you can get there if you're good enough or you out, you're bad outweigh your good. Jesus said, I have come to not make bad people good. I have come to make dead people live. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And can you imagine as Mary is listening, as, as Mary is, is just realizing the tomb is empty and just the rush of three years worth of messages, right? That will be my dream. One day that when, when God hits you and all of a sudden, Five years of my preaching just hits you all at once, right? You're like, what the, right? It's all true, right? It hits her all at once, and she's just blown away. And she's like, there is no way. This is all true. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. 
No one. See, a Christian does not believe that, or a believer does not believe that somehow you, you're, you're good. Things that you do at the end of days when you stand before God is going to outweigh your bad. You're just trying to figure out the right balance. You know, I can play a little bit today because I'm going to do a little bit more tomorrow. It doesn't work that way. Jesus didn't come to fix this balance for you. He came to say, you're dead. Let me make you live. See, a Christian, a believer would say, I'm not only repenting because I'm bad. I'm repenting over the good things that I do. You know why? Because a believer, a person realizes this. Even the good things that they do is self-righteous. Even the good things that they do is self-motivated. They did it out of a selfish ambition. They did it to be seen, to be heard, to be acknowledged, to be affirmed. It was done selfishly. And so a believer does never say like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm, I think I'm a good place with the Lord. A believer just says what? Thank God. Right? The resurrection reveals truth. When Mary walked into that empty tomb, she realized everything he said was true. What did he say? He says something like that. He says, surely I am with you to the end of the age. Surely I am with you to the end. That, that means that no matter the journey that you are on in this life, no matter how many ups or downs that you feel like you're going through, no matter how distant God may feel from you. And a lot of us, we, we, get, that, we get that kind of motion, notion of like, oh, God is so far from me. I don't, really, I don't have this really close relationship with him. And yet he says this, never have I left you. And never will I forsake you. It's true. Nothing's broken. He means exactly what he says. And when he says, if you wish to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. He didn't say you can get to pick and choose what you want to follow or what you want to obey. He didn't say, like, you know, here's a list of, uh, of things that I want you to think about and whatever you feel like you can do today, go for it, you know, and that's it. He says, if you are going to be my disciple, this is crazy. This is what shocked a lot of his other disciples. He said, if you're going to be my disciple, you got to take up your cross and you got to follow me. You got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Follow me into the trenches. Follow me in places where people may not acknowledge you. Follow me in a place where you may not be loved or appreciated. Follow me and say the things that needs to be said and not to be quiet about it. Follow me and have the courage to speak truth. See, so many times we're so caught up in this kind of political correctness of our, of our generation that we, we stop speaking truth. We kind of stay silent. And most of our brothers, men, we have this problem too. It's one of our passive issues that we have in life is that instead of speaking up and being firm and being strong and actually leading, we've become this passive way of just staying quiet and silent and say, that's their business. Let them do it. They'll figure it out. And but instead of stepping in and say, you know what? I'm part of this life. I'm part of this. I need to speak truth into this place. You don't take up your cross. You're afraid of being persecute you're afraid of just having people say bad things about you and so you kind of lay it down so Jesus is saying this though and so Mary is remembering this she says if you are going to be my disciple he was serious about that he wasn't just joking he wasn't kind of like yeah kind of figure it out he was serious that when if you're going to be my disciple take up your cross follow me follow me amen children right see the, re the resurrection reveals truth to us. You know, last night we were, we were watching The Passion of the Christ out here, which, by the way, 
Great ministry, drive-through ministry, drive-in ministry, right? Oh, my goodness. It's, I don't think you guys were there last night. It, the setup was amazing, right? I was like, man, it was a little cold, right? But we can work on that, right? But it was, it was awesome. We got the cars packed up. We were all sitting on top of, like, each other's trunks. It, it was phenomenal, but that, that's not the point. The point is, we were watching, we were watching Passion of the Christ, and I, I remember there was a scene as, you know, Christ was being depicted as being crucified, right? As depicted of, as, as being hurt, did a flashback of Jesus speaking to his disciples. And he said this, and it's from John 15. He says, if they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. No one's above their master, but do not be afraid. That was a key word that, that, that hit my heart real hard as I was watching it. It says, do not be afraid, for I will send you a helper. And when, 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 when I saw that, which is weird, I was just watching a movie, but as I was, I was watching that, and I, I felt like God was just speaking to me at that moment. He says, man, PT, you, you've lived in a lot of fear lately. Right? You, you've lived in fear lately. I was like, what do you mean I live in fear? <laughs> right? You know, Wednesday we had this thing called evangelism. We, did, we went out to evangelize, right? And I remember that whole morning I was thinking, who was the idiot that came up with this idea, right? And I was like, that's me. I came up with it. I did it, right? Oh, and I was just, because even, even as a pastor, I get butterflies and I get scared to go out sometimes, right? I mean, I, it, it just kind of riles you up every time. And I'm thinking, and when we, when we came here, I was thinking, I don't know how many people are going to show up, right? About nine, right? It was nice. It was like 10%. That was fantastic, right? Right? I'm not mad. I'm not, I'm not mad at all. I'm not, not mad at all, right? None of us went out to the block, right? And we were, we were, we were sharing, but I was, I was thinking afterwards, I was, I, was, I was kind of reflecting as I was driving home last night, I was thinking, you know, if you, if you forget, if you forget that you shouldn't be afraid, how do you, how, what do you think your whole congregation is thinking, right? And I, and I was thinking this, like, that makes sense, right? Like, you wouldn't ask an obese person to go work out, you know? It's hard for them to get out of the house versus, like, to actually go work out, you know? And here I am trying to say, yeah, guys. You know, skip the whole, like, training part. Let's just go straight into, like, evangelizing. You guys will do fine. Just go out there and start talking. And I realized Damn, that's a lot of fear, right? We live in fear. But he said what? Do not be afraid. If I came back from the dead, if I came back from the dead, Mary's thinking he came back from the dead. There is no fear. His love casts out fear. Everything that he has said, everything that he has mentioned is true. And if he calls us to not be afraid, if he says there is someone that's going to help, he means what? There is a helper if you would have the courage to step out. 10% this year, okay? Next year, 50%. I believe it. I pray and hope, okay? Everybody look at each other and say truth. Revelation reveals truth, church, okay? Resurrection, resurrection, resurrection reveals truth. That's what it does. When Mary saw the resurrected Jesus, it revealed so much truth to her. Truth that you yourself probably have forgotten about. But let me ask you this question. If this is true and all these things that he said is real, then why are our lives not reflecting it? Why are our lives not showing it? Why are we not expressing it? If resurrection reveals truth, why? then our life is not showing because, this, because oftentimes we fall into this trap. And it's not your fault, but you, we fall into this trap. The trap is this. We are merely grasping at God's word, and we're not letting God's word grasp us. 
We, we, we are constantly grasping at his word, but we're not letting his word actually grasp our hearts. Right? See, those who are grasping at the truth, they listen to the word of God. They enjoy it. They're like, that was, that was good. That was dope. That was, that was decent. That was, that, that was enjoyable. That was convicting. That made sense. That was logical. That makes me want to do something about my life. But then after you leave these doors, you lock that idea in the back of your mind and you go about your daily life. Because all you've done was just grasp at it and you didn't let it grasp you. Because those who are grasped by the truth, those who are grasped by the truth, this is what happens. There's like a nag in the back of your mind. There's like a poke that's constantly going on in your life. And it's just constantly poking at you and you're just going crazy until you answer it. Until you say, okay, I'll do it. Until you say, I will obey. See, a person who grasps at the truth, enjoys it, listens to it, locks it away, goes on their life. A person who is grasped by the truth is constantly being driven until there is obedience. The resurrection, guys, reveals truth to you. Second thing it reveals. Look at verse 7 to 8. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to his disciples. The resurrection reveals hope. Everyone look at each other and say hope. Hope. Right? There's a line that says this, though the sorrow may last for the night, his joy comes with the morning. See, when Jesus, when, when Mary, when these Marys saw Jesus in their tomb, they wept. They cried. They were the ones that brought him into that. They were the ones that wrapped him up. They cried over their Lord that they had been following for three years. They cried over his life and his death. They mourned with great sorrow for two days. They were in anguish. For two days, they thought to themselves, what was all these three years about? What was all? We saw him do so many things. We thought he was the one. We thought he was going to do and change the world. What was this whole entire three years about? Questioning their life, questioning their choices, figuring out, like, what, did, was it worth it? Did we do what was right? They were in anguish about this. But then Sunday morning approached. They walked up in the tomb was empty. And the Bible says what? They ran away afraid, but yet filled with joy. Yet filled with joy. Why? You know why? Because they had hope. Hope. They had hope, guys. Can I tell you something about hope? Hope is an essential element of the human spirit. You need hope to live. Okay? Anyone that comes around and tells you, I don't need, I don't need to think about these, like, philosophical things, you all need hope to live. You need to hope in something. And a lot of us, we put our hope in our work. We put our hope in our family. We put our hope in our children. We put our hope in our money. We put our hope in our retirement. We put our hope in our identity. We put our hope in everything that can actually be taken away. You guys realize that? We put our hope in the very things that at any moment can actually disappear. We hope in things that are fleeting. And the moment when it's gone, the moment the thing that we put our desperate hope in, we lose it. We find ourselves asking questions about our existence. 
Some of us, right, some of you guys, you guys know you were jobless for ages, right? And you're like, my life has no meaning, right? Like, I am still working at, you know, McDonald's. Why, right? I'm a 28-year-old man. How is this even possible? Some of us, we have hope in our children, and our children basically left us or will leave us, right? So I keep telling my wife, but she doesn't believe me, right? It's going to happen, Okay. Some of us have hope. We have hope in our, in our finances, in our retirement, in our business, in our dealings, in our investment. But all those hope, all those hope are created things, and they can die at any moment. The ladies, they ran away afraid but full of joy because they realized something. They have a hope in something that can never die. They have a hope in something that can never die. When I was, I was uh, back in, when I was in college, I went to Hong Kong for mission, right? And I remember we were in this restaurant, and we were, uh, we were finishing up a long day at, at the university. We were, sharing the, we were sharing the faith out there, sharing the gospel. And we had dinner. You know, it was like those long days. We are trying to, like, you know, coax our staff. Like, come on, let's go out to a nice dinner. You know, we work so hard, please. And so she finally gave in. She took us out to a really, like, not, it's, a, it's an actual restaurant. So we were happy about that. So we sat down, right? And as we were just, we were feeding, we were eating, we were enjoying it because we were so hungry. We didn't know this until one of the girls in our, in our team, she looked up. And she's like, hey, do you, do you notice our waitress? And we, we started looking at her, coming in and out. This, this lady, right, this lady, though she was serving us, the more we looked at her, the more she looked like she was on autopilot. You know what the people when they're on autopilot, they just move, but they're not there. They're not there physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. They're just not there. They're, on all, they're just dazed. Her life, her face looked like she, she had better days, right? Her, 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 her life and her, her movement looked like she's just about to give up on everything. And so my staff, of course, we were just doing missions, so she's like, we should witness to her. I'm like, okay. But you're the only one that speaks Chinese, so you should do it, right? <laughs> right? So we, we just watched her, and then she was talking. And one of the other girls who speaks a little bit Chinese, she was, in, she was you know, uh, interpreting for us while you know, our, our staff was uh, sharing the faith. And the lady was saying this. She was saying, my husband died. I have no family. I have four kids. I'm just moving. I'm, ex- I'm just existing. I have no hope for tomorrow. I don't even know if tomorrow is going to come. And if I close my eyes and I don't wake up, I'll be okay with that. And as she was just sharing her story, we just felt like one heartache after our other heart. We were just like, oh, man. And the one thing she kept saying, it was, it was so sad. The one thing she kept saying was like, I have no purpose. I have no hope. I have no future. And we're like, no, but you have four children. They're your hope. They're your future, right? This is Christian. We're preaching the wrong gospel, right? You love your children. They're your hope for your life. And she's like, no, right? It's like I look at my kids and I don't even feel like I'm their mother. That's how, like, depressed she was. You know, like, when you get into that place where you don't even feel like there's a real relationship, I don't, they're just wandering around. I mean, the streets is raising them, not me. And so my staff begins to kind of share with her about the gospel and share with her about this living hope. Not a dead hope. Not a hope that can disappear based on suffering. Not a hope that can go away based on, but a hope that is living. A hope that says that no matter how deep the emotional trials we go through, there is a resurrection. A hope that says no matter how long the desert of our our stagnant life may go, 
for what seems like years after years, there is a resurrection. A hope that says no matter how empty or confused we may be, there is a resurrection. No matter how desperately lost we are, no matter how tough times get for our lives, our family lives, our personal life, there is a resurrection. Because all those things that we are going through, all the sufferings that we may face, yes, they hurt for a moment, but joy comes in the morning as we look to the living hope. See, the resurrection is more than just, ooh, Jesus came back. It is a hope. It is a hope that no matter how bad things are in your life, and some of you guys, I know you guys come in this house and you're smiling, but a lot of you guys are coming in and you're broken. You're coming in and you're empty. You're coming in and you're hollow. You're coming in and you're grasping at a future that you don't even know is there. You're coming in and you're trying to hold on to some sort of purpose in your existence. And when that fails, you jump on to the very next thing. You're thinking, okay, my work didn't work out for me. Maybe I'll go for my wife. My wife's not working out. I got divorced. I'll go for my family, my children. My children not working for me. I'll go for my vacation. You're just jumping from one thing to the next. Trying to find hope when all the while Jesus says, I am the living hope. Because all the things that you have hoped in have died. At least in your heart they've died. But I am the only thing that's still alive. The resurrection reveals to us that there is hope for all believers. On, on, as a pastor's confession, right, on, on, on weeks like Passion Week, when it's one of the most busy weeks for a church or Christmas or a mission season, right, on weeks like that when I was just like, man, I'm just tired. Like, you know, I'm, I'm just really actually tired. Mentally, spiritually, I'm just tired. And the one thing that always gets me out of that funk, right, is the song, um, Better Is One Day. You know what I'm talking about? It's better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'm just thinking, I'm, just, I'm, I'm sitting, I'm thinking, yes. When I walk those steps, when I open those gates, when I enter those halls, better is one day here than a thousand horrible days I faced there. And it brings me out. You know why? Because the human heart needs hope, guys. You need hope. The only way that you can survive is you have to live with hope, right? Don't, I mean, some of you guys, I'm a lone wolf, I'm strong, I don't need anybody, right? You're hoping in something, right? You're, you're, you're hoping on your own personal life, right? Wait till your body gives way, okay? Wait till you get old and you can no longer, I, I'm starting to feel it, okay? I'm 35, right? I'm starting to feel it. Like, my knees, like, it, it, it literally get stiff and I can't bend it after a while. It's crazy, I'm like, I'm going to die. I think I'm going to die soon. Like, I keep, I keep telling my wife, she's like, why are you so dramatic? Said, You're fine. I gave birth to two kids. I'm like, all right, right, you win, you win, you win, you win, you win, you win, you win. right? Hope. Whatever you place your hope in, if it's earthly, if it's created, guess what? One day it will fail you. It has to. Because it's not perfect. One day it will die. It has to. Because it can't live. But there was only one thing that is living hope. It's Jesus Christ. And so when Mary heard the angel says, go back, tell the disciples. She ran back and she's freaking out. She's like, oh my goodness. 
everything he said is true. And there's a resurrection. There's hope. There's hope for my life. There's hope for my existence as a woman. There's worth and value that I have. She ran with joy. Okay? And lastly, about the resurrection. The resurrection reveals a task. Look at the person next to you and says, you got a job to do. Oh, yeah, right? (laughs) Check it out, verse 9, it says this. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. It is not enough that we are compelled by this truth. It's not enough to know like, oh my goodness, there's a lot of truth out there. It's real. It's not enough that we are given an amazing, enduring hope for our lives. It's not enough for us to sit back like, I'm good, y'all. I got Jesus. I got hope. I got truth. I'm good. I'm good. It's not enough just to sit around and be passive. It wasn't enough because the resurrection doesn't just reveal that. The resurrection reveals that there is a job to be done. He told his disciples, he told Mary, go and tell my disciples to meet me at Galilee because I'm about to give them a job. Look at the person next to you and say, you got a job to do. What did Jesus tell them in Galilee? What the, in short, he said this. He said, go and declare the truth to the world and share this hope to all. All right. I know a lot of you guys, maybe you're a little tired of me just kind of repeating this over and over and over. But this year for TLC, for our church, our, our theme is faith is what? Beyond security, right? I know, I'm just testing you, right? Beyond security, it's faith in action. And one of the things we want to do is we want to make sure that you would have the courage to share your faith. I'm not even talking about like, you know, have a huge script here. I'm talking about that as you live your life, you are just sharing your faith to those around you. As you live your life, you are just, you know, this is one thing I learned about in Vietnam. You guys did not went to Vietnam a few weeks ago. There's one thing I learned about the churches in Vietnam, okay. This is, this is the Christian mentality in Vietnam, which is really weird, but it's, this is the mentality. And I think it's it maybe our mentality too. The mentality is this, if I really want to love Jesus... The only way that I can show Jesus that I really love him is I have to go into ministry, right? And I'm like, why? Why would you wish that upon yourself, right? Like, I would never wish that upon anyone. Like, why would you want to go into ministry? You know, like, but that's the only way that I can show him that I love him. Like, no, 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 no. (laughs) You can show him you love him in a lot of different ways. Don't you have, like, a job? Like, yeah. Why don't you show him you love him in your job? Like, I can do that? Like, yes, you can do that. See, something about the Vietnamese churches is that they believe that you can't mix your life, your reality of your life, in the work that you do, which makes sense to me now. I didn't, I didn't get this, and it makes a lot of sense why so many adults, they always come to me and they say, can you, uh, can you ask, can you, can you pray for my child to accept Jesus into their life? And I'm like, wait, you, you don't know how to do it? It's just a prayer, right? I'll write it down for you. Just read this, right? <laughs> right? And they're like, no, 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 you have to do it. I'm like, Why? Because you're the pastor. I'm like, but you're a Christian too, right? <laughs> She's like, you are a Christian, right? I'm like, yeah. So why can't you do it? It's like, no, it, it doesn't work that way. Like, it has to come because you really love Jesus. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> First of all, you don't know me, right? Secondly, right? Secondly, 
You don't love Jesus? She's like, no, I love Jesus. Like, but it's your child. Why don't you pray for your own child? Right? You know? And they're like, no, it, it doesn't. I didn't get it until now. Right? It's because the heart and the mentality, I guess, in the, Christian faith, in the Vietnamese Christian faith is that if you really want to love Jesus, you got to go into ministry. Because you can't do ministry. You can't, you can't love Jesus in your workplace. You can't, work, you can't love Jesus as a student. You definitely can't love Jesus anywhere else. You got to love Jesus only in the church. Here in this place. I'm like, that's weird. The resurrection reveals that that's not true, okay? The resurrection reveals that we have a job to do. That it's, it's not good enough for you to say, oh, yeah, I, I know the truth. I know it. I know it. I got this, right? I grew up knowing this stuff. The resurrection, it's not good enough for you just to know I have a hope. My, my future is set. Everything is good. I have hope in the future. I can just sit back and do nothing. See, the resurrection is more than that. The resurrection tells us something even deeper. It says what? You have a job to do. We as the body of Christ need to move. We need to make an impact. We need to change. We need to speak. If we actually believe this, we need to speak it. There's a, there's a story about Penn and Teller. You guys know Penn and Teller from Las Vegas, the, the, the magicians? Penn, uh, the, the big one. What's his name? He's Penn, right? He's Penn, right? Yeah, he's Penn, right? Penn, he's the big one, right? And this, this is a story he told about the Christian faith, which is crazy. It was a crazy story. He's a uh, staunch atheist, right? He's a staunch atheist. He's a libertarian, I think, but he's a staunch atheist. And this is what he said. He said, I was doing my show the other day, and it was great. And he, you know, this is a little hand motion. I was doing my show the other day. It was, it was doing great. And then afterwards, I saw this guy, right? He was standing out there. He was very nice. He was just sitting there. He was just chilling, and he was waiting. Because afterwards, after the show, they kind of shake hands with everybody. Because they're very, like, you know, professional like that. And they, they love their people. And so they shake hands with everybody. And this guy, he came up. And he said, uh, Penn, I loved your show. I really appreciate uh, the magic. It was amazing. I, and I just wanted to stand here. I, I, I heard that you were an atheist. I wanted to sit here and just kind of hand you this track. And he gave him this, this little Bible on the track, and he just he gave it to Penn. And, you know, you're thinking, like, you know, in the show, he, he, he declares that he's an atheist and he's all that stuff. But Penn was like, I was just shocked that this guy gave me this track. Because I always thought to myself, see, all these Christians, they say, or all these believers, they say they actually believe in this Jesus and this whole resurrection thing. And if that is true, then technically, and he knows it, my fate is I'm going to be burning in hell, right? And yet no one comes to me. No one actually even wants to talk to me except for this dude. Random guy in the middle of my show just came up and talked to me, right? In Vegas, no less, right? You know? Came up and just gave me this track. And so he said, like, that's why I don't actually know if the Christians actually believe what they say they believe. Because if they say they believe what they actually believe, the resurrection tells them that there's a hope, there's a truth that they should give to people. And if they're holding it back, one, they're a bunch of selfish freaks, right? And if they're not sharing it, two, right, they're a bunch of selfish freaks, right? And so that's what I'm telling you guys. If the resurrection is true, and the hope is real, and the truth is real, then it should engage in every area of your life. It should hit up every area of your life. It shouldn't just be in one location at one time, at one moment. It should be the essence of who you are. You should live the truth. You should live in hope in the midst, in the midst of suffering. You have hope, and then you have a job to do. I came back... Um, from Vietnam, I, I told my grandma what we did, right? I don't know why I always talk to my grandma, even though, like, we always get in a fight, right? But 
I, I like to talk to her because sometimes I like to get her mad. But like it's um, I share, she said, what would you do? I was like, oh, I went to this rehabilitation center, Grandma, of a bunch of meth heads, right? Uh, meth, uh, they want meth on heroin. And, and she was like, you went there? I was like, yeah. It's like, just let them die. Why'd you go there for? I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, how many meth people do you know? Like, that's kind of a lot. Of, that's a lot of hate going on there, Grandma. And she was like, they destroy people's family, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, but, but they haven't destroyed your family, so what's wrong with you, right? Why are you so mad about this? And she was like, you know, it's, it's just weird. It's just weird that you guys would even try to engage. It's like, Grandma, it's not just we try, okay? The government, or not I try, but the, the government over there, they try to deal with these heroin addicts. They put them in cages, try to, like, you know, get them off of that, uh, um, their, their, what do you call that? When they, when they're, they're fixed, right? They're fixed when they, they need it, right? It's just a cold turkey. Hopefully they get done. And they try to deal with the outward issues. And then when they go back, to their daily life, they're going back straight into the same problems over and over. 1% success rate, they said. Grandma, the, the, grace, the place I went to is a 90% success rate. The only problem they have is that they don't have enough finances to open more houses to do this. They don't have enough permission to open more, uh, to, to build more facilities to do this. It's a 90% success rate founded by a guy who was a heroin addict who had AIDS and who almost died. He almost died. He, they, literally, they, he went to prison two years. They found out he had AIDS. No, he, was about to, he was very skin and bones. They dropped him from his house saying, good luck. Pastor found him. Rehabilitates him back to life. Love of Christ comes. The hope of Christ comes into his life. And then he does what with his life? He goes and he blesses the people with the very same problem that he, blessed, that he was cursed with. He has a job to do. He knew it. It wasn't enough for him to say, I know the truth. That was nice. Oh, there's a hope for me in the future. Even if I die of AIDS, that's okay. I'm going to go to heaven. He had a job to do. And the job was to bring just as many men who were lost back home to their father. So the resurrection, guys, tells you this. It tells you that there is a truth. That I don't know how many of you guys pick and choose what you want to follow when it comes to Jesus. I don't know how many of you guys try to, like, you know, play like, oh, I can do this today, maybe not tomorrow, not at all, right? Oh, I'll just die never doing this one, right? I don't know if you guys have caught into the habit of just thinking of Christ like a buffet line, choosing what you like and disagreeing with whatever you don't like. The resurrection tells you there is truth. Everything he said is true. There is no going back. There is no saying, oh, that probably doesn't apply to me. It applies to everyone. The resurrection tells you there is a hope. And this is so beautiful because if you are suffering, if you are broken, if you are lost, if there's family issues, if there's financial issues, there is issues going on in your life, the resurrection tells you what? There is hope. There is real hope. Stop putting your hope in things that are fading and can die. Put your hope in the thing that is alive, in the one that is alive. That if Christ can come back from the dead, even death cannot hold him back. Even death cannot hold you back. The resurrection reveals that you have a job to do. It's not enough to sit around and just chit-chat and talk. That you actually have to live it out. 